And it's, it's so true. You can read one little paragraph in one random book somewhere and it'll totally change your whole trajectory. I'm Shelby Olschlager. This is Weekend Hustle and we are barrel racers. Join us on our journey to personal growth for us and our horses. Together, we can hustle. Today, I have an interesting guest with me that I met a while ago while I was living the dream out in the States, interning. Uh, Ollie Moss is here. He's an equine photographer, which if you've been to any big race, you know this guy. You've seen him standing there and you've seen his amazing photos and just his setup was just beyond professional. And I was like, I need to talk to this guy because I did meet him at a few, I believe it was the Roper Rally and the fizz bomb he was at, and I got to meet him and see his amazing work. So I asked him to join with me. So Ollie, thank you for joining. Um, yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. So I just want to get into your head a little bit. Like you have been doing equine photography for, I'm assuming a number of years. Can you just give us a bit of backstory? Like how did that even come about where you're now to like today, you live in a trailer, you drive around all over the States going to these crazy events. Like where did this come from? So I, I was actually interning when I started. Um, I was interning at Peabody Energy um, in Gillette, Wyoming. And uh, they had me taking pictures. I was a, I was like a landman intern. So we had to go to the courthouse and take pictures of all the documents. And they had me up here with my phone, you know, trying to take pictures. And it was, it was wildly uncomfortable. And I looked around at the guys that have been doing it for a long time. And they all had a DSLR camera. So like a quote unquote real camera. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'm going to get me one of those. And I told my parents, I said, you know what? Cause I was in college at the time. I said, I'm going to start saving up and I'm going to get a camera. So I don't have to like be hunched over here and it, you know, just kills my back all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every day, like my back just hurt being hunched over this little table. And, and my dad surprised me, my parents both, I guess they surprised me with a camera um, about a month before my birthday said here, early birthday present, we want you to like, you know, be comfortable in your job. So I forgot to mention this fun fact to my boss and just went into work the next day, stoked and knew about nothing, pretty much nothing about that camera. I knew how to turn it on and push the button. But other than mm. that, I had no idea what I was doing, of course, as anybody would. And uh, I start blasting away and I think, you know what? It was just a mess. So we get into get back to work and I was showing my boss what I did. And she's like, okay, but can it do a PDF? Can it straighten it? Can it do all these things that your camera does on your phone? It was this huge mess. So then I had no, I, she did not want me to use that, long story short. And so I had this camera and I thought I need to make some money with this or it's just too much of an investment to just sit around and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't that expensive a camera. Looking back now, it was like fifteen hundred dollars, you know, mm-hmm. like which is not much, but it seems like a lot when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they, my parents said, "Listen, we've got that big roping and barrel race that we do every year. It's the called the Wrangler Classic. It was to promote their Wrangler newspaper that they have, and they've had it for a long time. They they've been lately having it on and off at that time, so they were going to have one." And they said, why don't you come and shoot the barrels? And the team roping photographer is going to come. And he's been in the business a really long time. He'll show you the ropes. You know, he's a good friend of ours. And so he said that he'd help you get started. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, all right, well, that's good. It 
sounds great. I, you know, they finally talked me into it. I didn't want to do it. I said, that's not, that doesn't sound like something I want to do. Mm-hmm. doesn't sound like fun at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they talked me into doing it. And so I thought, well, I don't want this guy to feel like I don't know anything at all. So I, I just tried to learn as much as I could in that first week. And I showed up and he wasn't there. He didn't show up at all. And so I just went with whatever I had. And I made more in the two days for that barrel race than I had in the last five days working 40 hours. Wow. And so I worked about roughly six hours that weekend in two days. You know, it was a little tiny barrel race. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, that was pretty cool. I could maybe do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I just started doing it and picking up some events here and there. You know, in about four weeks into or four, it wasn't even four, like two months into it, I got offered WTRC finals, the Wrangler Team Open Championship finals. And that was about four months into me owning my first camera. And wow. It was right during finals week. It was, a, it was a huge, like, it was a huge event, still is. And, uh, and it was right during the busiest time of my college career, um, my second to last finals. And so a lot was on the line. So I, I had to do, I took it, I accepted their offer. My mom took some of her employees up and, and they set up the booth and stuff and, and I'd been setting up a booth since day one and, and kind of doing exactly what I do now, um, just at a different scale, you know, a smaller scale. And we got that one and I made more, I made half of my year's salary at that one event than I was making at my real job. I was hooked, you know, like not that I was in it just for the money because I love photography and I love learning all this stuff and learning the gear. And, you know, I love all that stuff, but the money has to make sense. You know, it has to, it has to be there. And I'm, I'm money driven, money motivated. And, and I know that. So um, when you dangle that big old carrot in front of me, I'm going to chase after. <laughs> That's amazing. What a cool story. So within, you said four months of you getting this camera, not knowing anything how it works, other than turning it on and taking a picture. You're now at a huge roping event, making half your year's salary in a few days. Wow. When so- I found out I can make six months of salary in six days. Like, Makes sense. Like, <laughs> like that. You know, so, well, I could do two of these a year and be right where I'm at, but have loads of free time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. Basically yeah. being semi-retired is how I talked about it for a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a really good, the work-life balance kind of, it makes sense for you, like, cause you have all that time and it's a lot of flexibility because now like you're your own boss, like before you're, you know, doing 40 hours with your iPhone and you became like just an entrepreneur, like just kind of, it just happened. So how was that like the growing pain of, or was there even a growing pain of like the start of not knowing? And then, you know, you don't want to embarrass the photographer or be embarrassed because you don't know anything. And you knew the photographer is going to be there. like, what did that look like to kind of go from square one to now being someone of authority in the industry? Uh, I don't know. Like, like when you're in it and, and you're the one doing it, it never feels, you never, it's not like you woke up one day and you're like, haha. It's like, it's just such a gradual transition. And, and it hasn't been a long time. It, that was only six and a half years ago now. Mm-hmm. And so it's like over that period of time, you know, like you, you're just, you're just so in it and you're working mm-hmm. in your business, you know, and then I was taking winners off basically. Um, after the first couple of winners, I tried to work I was working every day all winter shooting pictures in, in Wickenburg every single day. And, and uh, you know, you, you learn that some events pay well and some events don't. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're losing money or you're breaking even, you might as well as not even work because you're just yeah. wearing out your gear and you're, you're wasting your time. 
Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> ones, ones where I'm breaking even or lost, I just scratch those off the map. And then, and then slowly you get to where they all are making money. And so mm-hmm. pretty soon then you have to start raising the bar. You right. know, like I have to make X dollars and then now Y dollars and now Z dollars. And you just keep, you just keep raising it. And that helps make room in your schedule. So when other producers, big producers call and they, they want you to come to their event, suddenly, mm-hmm. yeah, no problem. Cause I already scratched all these small events. Mm-hmm. Now I can do yours. For sure. Those big ones, they're, they're just as hard to set up and tear down as the little ones. So you might as well as do make some bigger count. ones. Exactly. Did you find like, um, when you were starting, you said you kind of got an offer right away. Was that kind of how it went? Like it was just naturally, like you got thrown into it. It wasn't like that you're eager and driving to find work or find producers that are going to hire you. Or was it pretty natural that there wasn't a lot in your industry, let's say six years ago, and there wasn't a lot of, you know, photography talent. So it was like, we know Ali Moss, let's hire him. Or did you actually have to kind of like work to get those jobs? Um, it was a little a little bit of both. Mostly, you know, I'm, my parents have the Wrangler Horse and Rodeo News and they've been in team roping and barrel racing for okay. a lot of years. Uh, my grandparents before that had a tax store, you know, mm-hmm. in our hometown and my aunt has one. She, she moved that tax store to Casper. And so I've, I've kind of had a lot of connections already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Pat and Dennis with WTRC finals, they put on a roping at my parents' house and I, I shot it for them. And so, you know, just through that, I had a lot of connections already. Yeah. Um, so kind of born into, you know, so you try to use every advantage you can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was trying to learn photography as fast as I could, you know, every day after work, still had my real job for quite a while, you know, didn't let that go. And then I went back to college, you know, when, um, for my last two semesters after that internship. And then um, when my friends were out, you know, drinking or studying for college or whatever they were doing for, for fun or, or for college, mm-hmm. I would go out and take pictures. So mm-hmm. uh, all times of the day and night, um, I might go to the lake and, and spend all night out at the lake doing mm-hmm. astrophotography mm-hmm. and, and reading books, but just trying to hustle as hard as I could and, and get it all done so I could still have good grades, still graduate, you know, have three mm-hmm. degrees to my name that nobody mm-hmm. can take away from me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I've got these and these opportunities with these jobs will always be here. But the opportunity to to just wholesale sell everything I own, get an RV and and just give it a shot, you know, like mm-hmm. give it my my best go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's only going to come around a couple of times, so I better yeah. maybe even just once, you know. So mm-hmm. I got it now. I'm going to go for it, and while I'm got momentum on my side, you know, just keep going and going. I kept, you know, all through college, you know, I I helped pay for some college stuff by just finding some local producers, putting on a little weekend jackpot here and there and send them a message or call them or, or they would see me at last weekend and say, Hey, next weekend we got a barrel mm-hmm. race. Come on. We want to come shoot our thing. And it would just roll into that, you know, because mm-hmm. these producers, they put on X number, but they're not producing events every weekend. So they can go out to somebody else's event. Yeah. And then they see who the photographer is there and they, get you rounded up at the end of the day and say, Hey, we love what you're doing. This is really cool. You're doing this better than the photographer we have now, if they have one. And so they'll ask you to come shoot theirs. Yeah, exactly. It just kind of snowballs that way. Uh huh. And it it probably helps just being more immersed in that type of scene. Like you have the really good opportunity of being in that 
world where you're needed everywhere? Like where are your, where's your central location? I don't have a central location anymore. Um, yeah. When I was in college, I worked out of Laramie, okay. uh, Laramie, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I travel the Western United States mm-hmm. full time in, in this trailer, put on a lot of miles. I like to say we is, was just me for a long time. Now Brenna works for me full time. And, uh, and I've recently hired another girl and I have a social media uh, person. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, growing the team, you know, as, mm-hmm. as we go along here, mm-hmm. we have people that work for me all over the country. And then the ones that are really good, I'll fly them to the bigger events or I'll have them drive or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try to keep that talent, you know, and they're trained and that whole thing. Yeah. That's awesome. I love how it just kind of seems like it naturally is evolving for you. And as you have more demand, you're able to kind of recruit people that are fitted for the role. And like you said, if you need the extra help at a specific show, it's not like that you have to find someone in a second to go to a race. Like you have people kind of like in your pocket, like that, you know, that will be there for you, which is awesome. And the whole idea of like what you do, like just the traveling and like that must have been kind of scary to be like, like you said, you're like, this is might be my once in a lifetime chance to go for it. So you might as well, like, what was that like, just to even be like, I'm going to buy an RV. That's the top of the line. And this is literally where I'm going to live until an unknown time. Like, how did that process go? Well, you know, you, you start out, I had a half ton truck that was brand, I bought it brand new while I was in college um, for this really good job that I had in North Dakota. And, you know, so I needed something that that truck could pull for my Mm -hmm. first trailer because I didn't have a lot of credit built up, a lot of income history, I guess. Mm -hmm. So the banks weren't going to give me this top of the line trailer and a new truck at the the same time. So I bought this GP trailer and got by with it for six months or eight months or whatever. And then I built built up enough down payment to where the the banks couldn't help but say no, but say yes, excuse Mm -hmm. me. And then, but I bought a truck first and pulled hold that old trailer with a truck because it's way easy to get a truck, you know, mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason, banks will love to give you a truck, you know, they're pretty liquid assets. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the RVs, then, then I'm, you know, I just kept buying truck, trailer, truck, trailer, you know, and it just, it just so happened to be like on my birthday every time. So I always <laughs> called it my birthday okay. present, nice. um, you know, just as a, like a funny aside, but uh, you know, you just gonna kind of work with what you got. And mm-hmm. make the best of it and and then make notes on what you would change and what you would do different and kind of keep those. I have an Evernote that has all these crazy notebooks with all these things that I'm, I'm going to change and do different in the future and upgrades, you know, just as I go along so that when the time comes and when the money comes, then, and I've got it, I don't want to just blow it on stupid stuff. I want to make sure that I'm spending my money in a way that is going to catapult me forward. Exactly. And not yeah. just keep me where I'm at. You know, mm-hmm. not, I'm not satisfied being where I'm at ever. <laughs> um, you know, my first calendar year, I, I broke six figures in my business. And, you know, that was pretty cool. At mm-hmm. the time, you know, I was making less than 40000 a year. Um, so to, to go from like forty grand a year to, to over six figures, I think mm-hmm. I did like 115 or something like that in the first year, first wow. calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I got my first camera in July, so I'd had six months and then, you know, to kind of figure it out and then graduate. So after I graduated, I just went full on to, to do this all the mm-hmm. time. 
That's awesome. I love what you said just about always improving and not being content where you are. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because I'm definitely like that where I might feel good about something or be like, okay, I accomplished this level of what I wanted to do, but there's always something more like you're never really done. And I think you're never done with anything you do. Like even if you're at the top peak, like doing everything you want, like now it's staying there and knowing how to get consistently there. So like just that mindset of like the growth aspect, like what is that like for you in photography or just with like getting to six figures and maybe wanting to stay there or just, you know, not always being content. Like what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean it's uh it's gear, it's it's knowledge. You know, I I read a couple of books a week, two, three books a week at least. If it's really, really good content, I might read that book three times. I, I keep a, a log of all the books that I've read and I have a blog post where people can go and because they are always asking me for recommendations. People know okay. I, I love books and I read books all the time. So I just keep a running list and I mm-hmm. try to keep it sort of organized. And and the books are you know, like I read one time, the books are where they keep the secrets. And I just thought that's the coolest thing. And, and it's, it's so true. You can read one little paragraph in one random book somewhere and it'll totally change your whole trajectory, mm-hmm. your career, your life, your everything. Mm-hmm. So like I read four hour work week and that was one of the very first books that I, you know, started to like read and kind of feel around out here in the space. And it just blew my mind. There's so much good stuff out there. So many like little things that just pushed you in these directions mm-hmm. and it was so cool to like mm-hmm. tim ferris i started following his podcast now i now i listen to podcasts like crazy i have my own podcast now mm-hmm. i mean like all of these things you know we're just always trying to to upgrade little things here and there mm-hmm. i the way i kind of look at it is if you if you don't have something then you're you're at a zero and if you have something you're at a you're you know like an entry level thing you're at a one so it's a big jump to go from a zero to a one rather than upgrading the thing that you have. So instead of, for example, like a camera, right? If you don't have a camera and you want to get into photography, well, you're at a zero. So you need to get a camera. Like that's like your number one goal needs to be getting camera. <laughs> yeah. right? So go to that. But then before you upgrade that camera to a two, maybe look at getting a tripod because you don't have right. a tripod yet, you know? So tripod is really important. Mm-hmm. or getting lights or start getting all of these things at some level before you get too crazy. So I always try to kind of not keep everything at the same level necessarily, but the really important things, you know, all need to be kind of built up and built up. You don't want to go out and get the nicest camera on the planet and then you put it on a $20 tripod and it mm-hmm. falls over and breaks. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Same with lights, same with all this stuff, all the support equipment needs to be of a similar caliber. So uh-huh. you kind of build it all up together. I build, I've got a booth I got to build up to, you know, the truck, the trailer, all of the things. Um, there's somebody's, there's a, there's a rule or a law that I, I read about and I can't think of it now. He wrote this like encyclopedia basically. And this queen bought it for a hundred thousand dollars. This was like an 1800. So suddenly he had a lot of money. Right, he went from being like almost nothing to hundreds of thousands of dollars, and so he bought this really nice rug. And then he realized that once he got that rug in his house, that it didn't match anything else. So then he had to upgrade the couch because the couch didn't go with the rug. And then suddenly the blinds didn't go, and then what he was wearing didn't go. So then he had to get new clothes, and then so he suddenly starts having to upgrade all these things in his life. Mm-hmm. That that's just that's how. 
I look at it too. You know, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden we have all like this entry level stuff and then all this pro gear around. Well, all right, that's the next thing that needs upgraded. Right, right. Just taking it in the right steps and how I can relate to that. Like I literally went straight to horses because that's obviously my thing. And just people that like with the camera gear, it's the exact same with horses where you're not at the spot yet, but you want that 1D horse. And if you're not quite ready, you know, you get the entry level and you start there and then you realize, oh, I need to get, you know, maybe a better saddle or a different trainer, like another, like a higher level coach to help me. And then once you're there and you've kind of like maxed out, I guess, like you max out a camera or you kind of max out a horse, then it's like, okay, now let's take the next step. And then you're kind of going naturally with the steps, not jumping ahead, getting the most expensive camera you can or the most expensive horse. And you're not ready for it. Like you don't have the gear for it. Like you said, you're like your tripod's going to be garbage and it's going to break the camera. So it's the exact same, just in different, in different scenarios. But that's interesting. I've never heard that story before, but it's so true. Like once you do one thing, it kind of forces you to in a sense of like leveling up, like for the story, he had to level up his furniture or his clothes, but in real life, it's Mm -hmm. the same where like, you might have to like level up like your mental performance because of going to this competition or paying an entry or like getting that trailer. You're kind of forcing yourself to be like, okay, I'm like, I'm upping one aspect of my life. Now let's up a few other aspects. And like you said, it kind of snowballs. And before you know it, you have the six figure business or before you know you have like the 1D horse and you're actually mm-hmm. confident and comfortable there because you took the steps right, right? like that's yeah. the biggest thing is just always knowing like there is a process and there's a process with everything and we actually have to i think enjoy that like with your process it just seems so cool and where you've gone like where you started i didn't really like obviously didn't know the story but hearing that and then hearing now like you have a podcast and you're trying these different outlets. You started selling some clothing and like you're wearing one of your shirts right now, which I love and like, I need to get one. (laughs) But like, it's just so interesting how things naturally happen. So for you, like, just, I want to know like, what is like, how things naturally are happening? Like, where do you kind of see, maybe like you said, you're not done, but like in what aspect, like, where do you think the next step is here? You know, as, as I've progressed through here, you know, you get, you get the skills and you, you're upgrading your skills along the way. And a lot of people try to circumvent that by just buying better gear, but you can't buy your way into this, into anything, you know, you, you have to put in the reps and put in the time and do the thing. And then, and then the steps, you know, you don't have to see all the steps clear into the future. You know, I don't know what the next step is, you know, in July of next year, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. But you have to see the next, once you see the next step, then you take it. And sometimes you have to leap off of the step you're on now to get to that next step. Mm. And you might not even see it, but you know it's there. So you got to just take that leap. Um, that'll come with all kinds of things. Sometimes there'll be just a little step to get to the next one. A bunch of little baby steps will get you up those stairs. And sometimes, you know, you've, you've got to take a, a bigger leap at it. It's just one of those things where, where the path will present itself when you get there. Exactly. Totally. I am a firm believer in that. And when like where I even am now in my life when I was in school and college and I remember, I don't remember, it might've been a professor said that you're basically going to wind up in a career that you have no idea even exists at this point. 
like your path, like you said, like you're not going to be able to see next year in the summer where you're going to be like, you might want to plan for stuff, but being flexible and just going with it and taking that leap, like the faith step of like, I don't really see this step, but we're going to go there because it's in the right direction. And with like with me, like doing even this, like I've never expected or thought that I would be like interviewing people I've never talked to really and hosting a podcast. And like, it's exciting. And people that want to get into photography or horses or whatever, like take it as an exciting thing, not as a scary thing. And knowing that, you know, you do have the process, but in order to get to like where you might see yourself, it might not actually happen how you're thinking. So you need to be able to be more forgiving with the process and let it happen how it's going to happen. So what would you say for people that would like to be in that industry, like that they might've got the camera, they want to learn more? Like, what would you suggest for those people that are eager to do it, but they just don't really know where to go or where to turn to? Well, a number of things, I suppose. One concept that, that I think new people um, in anything, you know, no matter what you're doing and you're new at it, um, one concept that I like to practice because it's really hard to fall into this trap. Um, you can fall into the, the trap of just in case information where you're learning stuff just in case maybe sometime in the future you might need it. Mm-hmm. I like to try to stay away from that and get just in time information. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, you need to learn how to do action photography to do stuff what I do before you go to an event, you know, before you start getting too crazy out there, you need to practice and read some books or listen to some podcasts or find some YouTube videos about action photography. And it it could be football, you know, it could be basketball, it could be whatever, you know, it could be uh, dirt bike racing Mm -hmm. and anything where somebody's moving fast, you know, you need to practice those skills. So I've shot my friend's kids um, like practicing football, you know, and like running around and and you got to learn how to track motion and learn how to set up your camera so it'll track motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I use back button focus and, and I think that's huge. You know, anybody that's getting into this, the sooner you can find find somebody that's doing it at a high level and figure out how they're doing it mm-hmm. and then try to incorporate those skills into what you do. Mm-hmm. So back button focus, for example, is where you're using your thumb to push a little button on the back of the camera and telling the camera to focus. And then your shutter is only taking the picture. It's not focusing at all. Where cameras, when you first get them out of the factory, if you press the shutter button, it will start to try to focus. Mm -hmm. So if you're, there's a lot of reasons why you want to do back button focus, for example, but most people don't know it because Mm -hmm. the came the factory, sent them this camera this way. And, uh, and so they've just been using it. And the longer you use it that way, the harder it is to switch to back button focus. Right. This other skill, you know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of like developing the good habits. And like you said, getting the mentor probably early on. So you don't have to change what you start doing. Like if you're doing it wrong. And again, it's the exact same with horseback riding. Like if you're making bad habits, then it's a lot harder to change the bad habits than just develop a better one or, you know, a more accurate habit that's going to be more efficient for you. Did you have any mentors or anyone big that really helped you learn or was it more of like your trial and error and researching on your own to get to where you're at? Yeah. I like to kind of think of it as like a self-directed education Mm -hmm. where I just sought out the the best people in photography period and Mm -hmm. learn from them. 
you know, like there's just these big names in photography in general, you know, like um, Joel Grimes, I've taken a lot of his courses and stuff. And so, you know, like I have probably 15 of Scott Kelby's books, you know, mm-hmm. and I just read those books and try to eke out any little information that will help me do what I do better. Yeah. So I'm always trying to, to learn from all kinds of people. I learn from bird photographers, how to track motion because they're tracking a little teeny tiny bird flying around like crazy. Yeah. If you can track that, you can track a barrel racer going around the pattern. No kidding. And we're a very predictable pattern. Um, so unlike a lot of photographers, I'll actually track a barrel racer from the time they cross the eye all the way around first, all the way around second, round third, and home. Mm-hmm. So I'm tracking you the whole time. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's like eight points in there that I think that I've found that sell really well as far as pictures go. So I time out those eight shots. But when something weird happens, you know, your horse like does something weird, whatever, you know, something happens, those rare moments, I'm there to capture it. So all I have to worry about is pushing the button mm-hmm. at the right time and getting, getting those wrecks or getting those whatever, you know, I'll always get those because no matter where you're at in that arena, you're in focus. Right. Where a lot of these photographers, they pre-focus on a barrel here and pre-focus on a barrel there if they're running two cameras or whatever. And if you're outside of that frame, you don't even get a picture. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're, something happens in the middle of the arena, you, they didn't get it. They just yeah. sat there and watched it happen. Like, yeah, else. that's kind of the so, big, oh, sorry. I would say that's the big no, difference I noticed with you is you get all those shots. Like I, when I first saw I'm like, holy cow, like these are amazing <laughs> photos because yeah, like it wasn't just like the one stationary shop that like the traditional second barrel picture or the one coming home, like you got the shots that are very unique. And that's what I think for you, like taking that step of like, I need to learn how to do this better, like step up even the photography game in general, you know, and that's kind of what you were doing. And it's obviously worked out super well. You know, at first to learn what those eight points were, I needed market research Mm -hmm. and nobody else, you know, there's nobody putting this information out there. So you Mm -hmm. can't go and the professionals that are doing it, they've been in my experience, very close guarded with their, their little bit of knowledge that they have. And I'm the opposite. I will mm-hmm. gladly share any information with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did to learn to get that market research is do the old spray and pray method is just blast and just around each barrel, you know, and then <laughs> like all three times and then running home. And, and in the early days, that's when you want to do that. You know, when you're early in the game, mm-hmm. go ahead and do that. And then, I've always had a booth crew, you know, and I've always had multiple people showing pictures and selling pictures for me. And at the end of the day, at the end of the weekend, you go back through and you see what people actually paid money for. Right. And that is, those are the shots. And Mm -hmm. so then I would go through and tally up all the different shots and see what's selling the most of all these shots. Mm -hmm. And then I found that there's these eight points in a run that people really, really like. And there's some other points that people kind of sort of like too, but it's the, the too much of a long tail here for me to, you know, and now I shoot strobed. So I try to limit the shots, you know, cause you don't want to just, you don't want people having that. seizures, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, you, you try to, I try to narrow it down. So I just do these say seven to eight shots during a run here. If they, they blow down a barrel, then I won't shoot, you know, the next shot in that barrel or if they hit yeah. it before I've even taken a shot, 
I won't take that shot, but I'll keep shooting the next two barrels. You know, if they, if they bust through first barrel, that's all right. You know, they might still like a shot at, at second and third, or they might not ever come look because they busted down first, but that's not for me to decide in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just keep getting as many pictures as I can and, and doing the best I can at each shot because it's not, it's not for me to decide what they want. It's they, you know, as a group, barrel racers have, have collectively after 2.6 million photos, um, you guys have told me what you guys want to see, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes, you know, I thought, well, this is a cool shot and I'll take it and take it and take it. And then nobody's buying it. So then I'll stop taking it. So yeah. It just doesn't make sense anymore. Exactly. And so then we'll, you know, we'll change and do different things and just try to listen to my customers. Mm-hmm. And I love how like that business model is pretty much the same across the board. Like yours your inventory happens to be your photos and you listen to the people like you're not you can't sell something that people don't want even if you're the best sales or the best marketer but like you're just providing and learning from the experience of like these people really like this so that's exactly what I'm going to give them and that's how you have to approach it and eventually you ha- like you said like you have like perfect formula now you know exactly what they want yeah. And you get to the point. So it's not like you said, like this spray and pray is hilarious. I never heard that, but that's perfect. It's like, it's so true. You just like hope for the best. Like one of these shots out of 50 will be a good one. But like for the people, they don't even might not even have time to go through that many. Right. You know, it's like they're busy with like another couple horses or something. So I just appreciate that. Like where you're actually like listening to them and being like, okay, this is what I need to offer. And you're clearly working towards yourself to basically be the best service you can be for people, which I, I appreciate as a barrel racer because we all love photos, but just in general and generally with your life, like just being like that and being of like, okay, I need to step up and learn more and learn all these different techniques, which is really cool. And that's how you become like a well-rounded anything. Like if you're a well-rounded athlete or in business or photography, like that's how you get good is learning from people is there anyone specifically like, cause I know you started a course and you can talk about that a bit if you like, just of the, um, like your, your photography schooling, how, yeah. like, how has that been? And like, has it been kind of what you were expecting? Cause you said you're an open book and you love to teach people. So has it been going well? Like, have you been offering all your wisdom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been offering it all. So we started at the beginning of 2020, um, January 2nd, 2020 was our big launch day. I'd had like a, a month or so of build up to that launch day and we launched with the podcast first. So I offered three podcast episodes on that first day, gave some people some different things to listen to, some tips, some advice. Um, uh, we talked about books. We talked about indoor rodeo photography, um, I forget what the other one was about, but, uh, but since then, you know, I've been trying to do one a week and it's been, it's been really hard because 2020 has been my best year yet by far. I've had way less time. Like if I would have done this in 2019, I would have been very much diligent about every week getting out an episode, mm-hmm. but this year I've been so slammed and unexpected like business, like with coronavirus and everything, like I lost two events was all. And in that time, I was so busy because I just came off the Patriot and some other rope. And then I had one more rope and, and it was, we were slammed the whole time throughout, mm-hmm. throughout the, the little shutdown where we were at in Texas and then everything opened back up. But uh, Equine Photo School is, is free and I'm, I'm letting people on my social media channels are free. You know, we got Instagram for free. We got 
Facebook is free. I go live, try to do that once a week. That doesn't always happen, but I, you know, I'm trying to get on there as much as I can. Uh, the podcast is free. I've got a website with blogs and that's all free. I have two courses right now because people have been asking for all this stuff. So back to like listening to your customers. I was listening to my customers and they love collages, right? So we, I was doing like two different kinds of collages and I had to invent a different kind of collage. I called it one's a basic where it's just in the boxes, you know, like you'll see, like if you think of a collage mm-hmm. and that's, that's one thing. And then people are like, what else can you do? What else can you do? Like they just eat this stuff up. So I had somebody that believed in me and they said, well, you got to create something way cooler than this. And I, I'll pay you whatever it is. Just make something, show it to me and you know, I'll, I'll pay you whatever you think it's worth at that point. So I created this thing called a custom collage because I'm bad at naming things. And uh, basically, we we have evolved a lot since the very first ones because those are basically crayons, it looks like. But now, now I have a team in India that I send photos to and they cut them all out for me and then send them back. And then I layer them and separate the layers in Photoshop and put this background on and do all these steps, have text on there, have text effects. And it takes a while. It takes it takes a lot of skill. And the more skill you got, the faster you can go. So it's taking me less and less time, mm-hmm. but more and more skills. And I'm, I'm always building on this process. But I've had a lot of my students ask if I would teach them how to build these uh, because they are highly lucrative and because people have asked them for a higher-end product too. And you, you've got to have that real high-end product and a real low-end product and everything in between so you can cater to all of your customers' needs. Mm. So just like that in Equine Photo School, I was listening to my customers and they said they wanted this. And so I built them a course to teach them how to make these custom collages kind of like I do. And I showed them a couple of variations in this course and gave them some tools so that they could take it on their own and, and do their own thing with it. I gave them some brushes in that course and really... If they, if they just sold one after taking that course, they had one customer, you know, bought their stuff, they would make a profit. I mean, that's, it's really, it was really cheap course. And then I have another course that helps people, um, equine photo photographers that are doing like events and stuff where we have 10,000 pictures a weekend or whatever, um, helps them get them online much faster. So I'm, I'm teaching them how to let Photoshop resave their photos into a really tiny file that mm-hmm. still looks great online. Like nobody yes. will know the difference except for you will because you'll see your download go zip across the screen instead of taking 24 hours to upload Literally. photos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You might take 24 minutes now. So mm-hmm. it's, it's wicked fast. That's how I'm able to upload photos um, as we, as we run barrels. So every 25 runs, I send a card to the booth and that booth crew saves it on each of their computers. And the, the person that I have uh, running the website stuff, she uploads it to the website and gets it going. Wow. And so after every 25 runs, your photos are on the website. And I'm, I can do it faster. You know, I can, I can send files directly at every click. You can go right to the booth. Um, but I've I found that I kind of like this system a little bit better. It's easier for my crew to kind of conceptualize because they have a physical memory card, you know, that they can they can you know, move around. 
Right. Um, but I'm teaching this stuff in equine photo school too. You know, I'm teaching mm-hmm. them how to, how to set up a booth, how to run it like a business, you know, how to price your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not telling them what to do. I'm just giving them some concepts and, right. and then some ideas on, on how to do stuff and how to think about it mm-hmm. so that they can come up with their own solutions and come up with their own pricing structure, their own, their own how to whatever. Mm-hmm. what works for them. Like you're kind of guiding them in that way, but it's like, ultimately it's like, it's like what works for your business, what works for you and what you want to do. But the idea of giving them a suggestion that has worked for you is super powerful as well. And it's amazing that you're offering that for, well, just the courses are, you said pretty low money, but you're offering that for really cheap. And you're also offering so many other free tools that anyone can access for free. That's just awesome. And I'm sure a lot of people that are getting in the industry that have heard of you appreciate that so much. But for the people that haven't heard of you, can you just tell us where, if they're wanting to learn more from you, they want to learn how you're doing it, or if they want to hire you as a photographer or anything, where can they find you? Where can they contact you? Almost everything is going to be, you know, the first go-to is oliesimages.com, O-L-I-E-S-I-M-A-G-E-S.com. And from there, you can go to my Facebook page. You, you can find Equine Photo School at equinephotoschool.com. Um, there's a Facebook page for that, Instagram for that, um, Instagram for all these images. I would go there first. I have some YouTube videos up, some blog posts up. Um, I would definitely check the blog at, at oldiesimages.com and the blog at equinephotoschool.com. Um, there's just there's some crossover there because um, I started teaching on my blog and that's how Equine Photo School got started. Right. Um, but, but those are the best spots to get a hold of me. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll take it all and I'll put all the links there. So when people want to learn more, they'll be able to access you really quickly and easily. Um, I just want to say thank you for joining. This has been a great conversation and it was really interesting and fascinating learning about an industry I'm not that familiar with, but it is like, it totally crosses over to the barrel racing and it was just cool to get your perspective on where you've come from, how you've got to where you are now. And uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to join me today. Thanks. Appreciate it. Catch you later. Thank you listeners for listening to this episode. I really enjoyed making this with Ollie and I hope you learned something valuable. If you did and you just want to show your love and support, which I will appreciate so, so much, please give this a like, subscribe, leave a review, anything you like, comments on my social, Facebook, everything. It's Weekend Hustle. On all your podcast players, go subscribe, like, comment, download, and we will talk next week. In the meantime, everybody, be safe, love your horse, and do something good for yourself today.